Yay, it's not Tom. I'm sick of hearing from him. Um, hopefully you don't hear from me, you hear from the Lord. But anyway, um, all the way from Rome, Italy, is our good friend Brent Harold, And he's, uh, he, you know, I came out here in 1999. He left for Rome the same year. And uh, we've been just plowing the ground ever since then and, and just serving the Lord. And, and every time he has a chance to come out, I just want him to come out and share with us and share what's going on in Rome. And, and uh, he's always never disappointed. The Lord speaks to him. And so uh, this morning, if you would give me a good welcome to my good friend, Brent Harold. Good morning. Buongiorno. Uh, say this with me. Say Forza Italia. Now say Forza Italia. That's right. See, I'm representing today. We got uh, the Europe Cup coming up this afternoon, so I promise I won't go too long either service. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but it is, yeah, good to be with you this morning. Thank you, Tom and Lisa, for having me. It's great always to be with our good friends, and I was uh, born, raised here, Springfield, Missouri. I lived out in the Northwest a little bit, back and forth, got radically turned on to Jesus uh, out in the Northwest in my early 20s, got turned on to Calvary Chapel there, grew up in the Word, and um, ministry, missions, ended up in Italy, uh, of all places, and uh, after kind of doing short-term trips in there, start, helped start the first Calvary Chapel in Italy back in about 96-ish, and uh, was there in 98, visiting in Rome, doing ministry, and felt like the Lord uh, said, I want you to come start a Bible-teaching Spirit-filled church in Rome, and I was like, ah, Okay, so uh, yeah, as Tom said, it's been quite interesting soil, but I want to show you a video, let it do more of the talking, and then maybe make a few comments, and then maybe we could pray together for Italy and Rome and what's going on there and our time in the Word together. Sound good? All right, let's do it. Biblical teaching on the radio. 
developed a radio app in cooperation with other Shabbat shops. Shabbat shoppers in Italy are also collectively seeking official recognition of the religious organization. This will grant them official religious status as churches, opening new doors of ministry and granting religious rights. The completion of an Italian language Sunday school curriculum. Support for national pastors and new church plants. And upcoming mission trip opportunities in both Rome and Kenya. When the Heralds began their ministry in Rome two decades ago, they were the second Calvary Chapel in all of Italy. Now there are more than 10 working together to bring fundamental change. God is truly at work, and we look forward to seeing what He will do next. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of what uh, we have been doing, what's going on. Um, the, right now, you know, in Italy, reaching out to people, you know, you don't really do these big events, uh, altar calls, all this kind of stuff, very different uh, reality and culture. But um, these kinds of opportunities right here, like uh, I've been, these towers uh, obviously are a very interesting element of uh, Rome and even all of Italy, usually if it, Rome is talked about. On the national news level, it's they're usually talking about our neighborhood. <laughs> um, it's it's just one of those areas. I have pastors or visitors. Sometimes they'll come, they'll stay in the center, and then they'll get a taxi and they'll they'll say that they want to go to uh, my church in my zone. And when they mention the zone name Tor Balamonica, the the taxi drivers are like, "You don't want to go there." <laughs> Or then they go, uh, what are you going there for? And then, you know, my friends, they'll have like a Bible with them. And they're like, well, I'm going to church. And they're like, yeah, right. And then they'll tell my friends, they'll say, people only go to Torba La Monica for a couple of different reasons. And it's not church. <laughs> so drugs, prostitution, all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of, uh, what do you call them, ex-cons and uh, people on parole and all that kind of stuff living in these high-rises. Point being, I've been praying for the, this for a long time, uh, this, this area, tried to reach out, get into it, uh, do invites, uh, street evangelism, you name it, and uh, kind of managed to reach more of the working class kind of behind the, the, this troubled area, and uh, I just was like, Lord, what's going to take to break into that? And this, just a few months back, even during covid they decided it, it had been a long debate about whether to tear these buildings down or, you know, they're just they're old. They're kind of communist style housing. They're kind of a sore eyesore on the landscape of a very beautiful city with a lot of just terracotta, you know, that kind of classic uh, Italian look. Um, but they finally decided they were going to pour a bunch of millions of dollars, uh, euro into them to try to fix them up. Well, uh, as God would have it, one of the companies, uh, one of the owners of one of the companies that got the first bid on one of the first towers, we call them, uh, is an evangelical believer. And he knew my friend, who's a pastor of the church up in the north, he called him. And he said, hey, do you know anybody in Rome? And then he said, well, Brent has a church right there. So he called me and he said, hey, we, you know, there's really a lot of opportunities in here. There's this association. They're working with the city, uh, on and on and on. Are you interested? I said, I'll be there. Just t tell me when, you know, like I'm ready. I've been praying for this for a long time. And so I went and met with them. And uh, to, to just make a long story short, it, it just opened up already a lot of doors and opportunities, um, you know, we're going to work together with them on their food bank, uh, food distribution to some of the poorest of the poor. Um, we used to have one. We kind of shut it down. It kind of got overrun. <laughs> it, it, it's a long and interesting story. But um, these ladies that with the association, they kind of started it. They just wanted to clean up their building. They wanted to kind of try to drive out some of the drug dealers uh, just bring a little bit of respect, which I love and appreciate, as you saw on the video. Uh, I used to, pretty much every job I've ever done in my life has been like cleaning, aesthetics, lines, order, <laughs> these kinds of things uh, before ministry. 
And so when I drive through this every day, it's just just grates on my soul, you know. Um, and these ladies, they're wanting to clean it all up. And I said, hey, I can get behind that. I can connect with that and let me help. And they had this, uh, you know what a boche, boche court is? You know, the game boche, the Italians that roll little balls, try to get... Uh, they, they have one in this area. It was more of the public one. Usually they only attend the uh, the Catholic ones, the private ones. They got the real nice uh, things. That it's all encompassed within the, the Catholic Church property. And um, I said, well, you couldn't even see this one. It was so overgrown. It was just, just a mess. And they said, well, we want to try to clean that up. And I said, well, I used to have a landscape business. That's my thing. I can uh, take care of that. And so I spent like weeks, hours just uh, weed eating and, you know, the weeds were over my head and just getting it all cleaned up. My arm was, you know, like stuck in this position for like two weeks, you know, and uh, but we got it cleaned up. And while I was kind of at, towards the end of cleaning it up, some of these ladies came down and uh, started visiting and, you know, offering me coffee. That's what Italians do. And... Uh, when they kind of, some of the ladies after about an hour, I kept kind of cleaning up and, and, and there was about eight of them down there chit-chatting and, and two of them were from this association that we're, we're seeking to work together with. And uh, the, some of the other ladies went up and the lady that runs the association, Tiziana, she came up to me. She said, Brent, um, you don't understand. This is amazing. This never happens. These women never come come down here because A, it's not clean and B, it's not really safe. And so to me, that was just the beginning of, oh yeah, this is going to be good. And I, I told them, I said, look, I'll, I'll take care of this place. I'll maintain it. I'll keep it uh, clean on a weekly basis. And so I, they had like this little toy mower, you know, like those little ones, you know, the bubbles come up, the little, <laughs> uh, and I said, I'm going to I'm going to raise some funds for like a commercial mower and a commercial blower because I, I had this little one, this battery-operated one for the church, you know. It just like blows off the, the sidewalk around our church. And I was trying to clean up the, the big mess with that, and, and it died after like three minutes. And I was just like, so I said, Lord, I need some equipment so I can take care of this place. I think I'm going to become the landscaper of the neighborhood. Uh, but that's the way you reach into uh, people's hearts and homes, and that's the way you get the gospel in uh, to people's lives for eternal salvation there. And and so we're really excited because they said we could use the an office down in the bottom of one of these buildings. They said we could pray with people, we can counsel people, we can preach the gospel. They said we could use the boche court, the outer area for events and things like that. And so I'm I'm just really pumped up and excited about kind of this new door, this new opportunity. We we did a, a barbecue there. I, I know you all have experienced COVID. Italy, when I left um, about a month ago, they were we were still in lockdown in a sense. We there you could go into a coffee shop, but you couldn't stay. You couldn't sit. You could get things to go. The restaurants were only serving things to go. Uh, so they're just now opening back up, but nonetheless. Um, God was working even in the midst of all that, and we've seen some some neat opportunities. We had a little barbecue before we left, and just invited them and anybody that wanted to come down. And you know, our whole church was there because we had not had a, a meal together um, since the coronavirus thing hit. So anyway, God's doing these things. Uh, you you guys saw the video. You can get on. There's a prayer card thing that I'll, maybe I'll leave in the back. There's some of these, and it, it's got the website and. Some of the different information on it, I'll just say this, you know, be praying about the things you saw there, the the Sunday school curriculum. Um, we've been working really hard on that for about five, seven years, and we're kind of in the final stages. Hopefully we can get that done uh, maybe within the next six months, and then we'll have a website for it and and Italians. The, the, the thing that, you know, I say something like that, and you guys are kind of like, oh, that's a big deal. But for for most countries in the world and most non-English speaking cultures, they don't have a lot of materials, uh, you know, that are gospel centered, Bible based. And so, um, you know, if you have a Sunday school teacher, 
and she's got kids and she's taking them through the only couple of curriculums that are available after like a year. <laughs> you know, the kids are kind of like, oh, we've done this 10 times or whatever, you know. So to do something like that, make it available to so many, I think is going to be really a lasting um, heritage, uh, eternal fruit blessings in the Italian uh, speaking community all over the world, but especially in Italy. So uh, pray about that. And then we've got uh, Kenya, the things that are going on there. And if you're interested, you can you can get online, send us an email, or we can talk more about it after the services or whatever. But for now, why don't we pray? And we'll pray for uh, what's going on. We've got the three churches in the Rome area that we've had the grace to start. And I just got back before we came here. I went to the All Italy Conference of Calvary Chapels. We have we have that annually. We get together in the middle of the country. And uh, the first time we did that about 12, 15 years ago, it was me and the other pastor and our families. <laughs> we were like 10, you know, and the guest speaker, my pastor, whoever, you know. Uh, we, we just got done doing it, and we're over 10 churches. And uh, we had about 140 people uh, show up midweek uh, for a couple of days. So all that just to say that um, it's been a slow go. It's a, it's a long, <laughs> uh, plodding go, but God has been doing great things, and so we're grateful for that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you so loved the world that you came and you lived the life, a perfect, sinless life. Jesus died upon the cross, rose from the dead. And Lord, you have sent out your spirit and you have pursued many of us. And you're pursuing everybody, Lord. But you, as you save us, you send us out. You send us into the highways and the byways and to our offices and to be ambassadors, even in our very homes, our hometowns, but even to the uttermost parts of the world. We're grateful to be in Italy. And Lord, though many don't understand the neediness of that nation and how really it has been one of the greatest mission fields in the last thousand years, Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit, do a mighty work there that you'd bless Vincenzo and Robert and so many of the other guys. Lord, we're thankful for the Italian pastors that you've raised up and the Italian churches that are going and, Lord, this curriculum and just things like that that you're doing that are going to be enduring, that are going to bear great fruit for your kingdom, Lord. We, we pray you just give us the grace, the resources, all that is necessary to get things like that done, these projects, but also, Lord, just to love people to be there, to, to preach the gospel, to be diligent, to make disciples. Lord, uh, just bless uh, the men and women that are laboring. Send more laborers into the harvest field. Raise up more Italian, especially the men, Lord. That just seems so, so hard to come by. Um, God, just thank you for what you're doing. We're thankful for what's going on in Kenya. And Lord, that uh, as we just, like Isaiah, raise up our hands and hear you saying who will go for us. We raise up our hands, Lord. You, you say send. You say go. And we go. And Lord, uh, orphans, widows, just every soul on this planet you love and care for and died for. And we're glad that we can labor together, whether we're in Springfield or whether we're over there. Lord, we can pray. We can give. We can be a part of the work of your kingdom from anywhere. And we're grateful, Lord. It is a privilege. We pray uh, that you would just be glorified. Pray that you would pour out your spirit on that country, both Italy and Kenya, here in Springfield. Lord, do a fresh work. We pray as we get in your word right now that you would speak to our hearts and, and just give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. So, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but the time that we do have want to uh, just really take a piece out of the Sermon on the Mount here, greatest uh, sermon ever given, the longest that we have uh, of Jesus, the greatest human being, 
to ever live. And uh, this contains the Beatitudes, the first part from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God, and so forth. The word blessed there is happy, happy, happy. Uh, I do want you to know this morning, I, I am not a prosperity gospel teacher, but I do want you to know that Jesus and God, the Father, are interested in your happiness and in your joy. God, uh, Jesus, you know, said, I want you to have joy, and it's not like that of the world. I want your joy to be full. Um, and the, the thing is, is that as you study this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, you, you begin to see these stark contrasts between uh, God's kingdom and God's ways, God's heart, God's mind, and how to get blessed or how to, to be, find happiness as it were compared to how the world goes about doing that. And this is one of my favorite passages. Um, I, we, were, we were running around the last couple of days. My, my oldest daughter just graduated from high school her boyfriend is a year older than her. He grew up in Italy, uh, American family. They pastored one of the other churches in the north. And um, he came to Missouri to hang out with us, meet the family, and, and so forth. We were running around the other day, and, and my kids or somebody asked, what are you going to be teaching Sunday? And, you know, my kids have been hanging out with me, so this has kind of been my thing for the last several weeks, focusing on this passage. And... Uh, they were kind of teasing me, you know, like, oh, let me guess, Matthew chapter 6, right? And uh, when they said that, my wife's, uh, uh, my, <laughs> that wouldn't be good, my uh, daughter's boyfriend, his name is Ben, um, he, 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 when I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to do Matthew 6, 33, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, he goes, oh, that's the verse you gave me when I asked you if I could date your daughter. <laughs> and it's true. This is one of my main uh, verses. I think it's one of the most important verses in all the Bible. You know, if we really needed something that just would uh, ground us and give us that narrow focus about what's going on, who God is, who we are, what we're supposed to be doing, it would be this verse. And so I quoted it, but let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let me just quickly establish the, 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 the more narrow context. I said it was the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the ways of God's kingdom. In verse 19, he tells uh, his disciples not to lay up for themselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but... And we'll see that word many times. That's always a contrast word. It's always a word that should cause us to pay attention. Uh, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says in verse 21 where your uh, treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verse 24 he says no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, the contrast between the spiritual and the material, the eternal and that which is temporary. And the the earthly things, the material things, compared to godly things or godliness or things that will endure for eternity, those things which are most important to God. In verse 25, he says, don't, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, uh, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He then gives examples of the birds and the flowers or the grass of the field and basically says, look how amazing they're doing. They're taking care of. God loves them. And then he basically says, how much more? then does God not love you? Or how much more then will God not take care of you? He repeats uh, the ideas of not worrying. Uh, It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. There's a lot of activity, but it gets you nowhere. And I want you to understand today as we look at this, in the short amount of time that we have, um, 
you know, this contrast between the material and the spiritual, uh, the temporal and the eternal, that, that is what we're talking about, is most of what we do, a lot of what we give our time and energy and money and so forth to is the rocking chair. <laughs> In other words, it's going nowhere. It, it, it's carnal, it's natural, it has nothing to do with that which is spiritual and eternal, it doesn't impact the soul, save lives, that kind of a thing. And so Jesus here, he says, uh, don't worry. <laughs> you shouldn't worry if you trust God, if you love God, you believe in God, you focus on God. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of all these things that people tend to worry about. And in verse 32, he says, these things the Gentiles seek... And that's basically the same word for pagan or heathen. That's what pagans do. They concentrate on the, the temporary. They concentrate on the material. They concentrate. They're so consumed by the money they're going to make for the food that they're going to eat and the clothes that they're going to wear and the things that they can see and touch and taste and all that. And Jesus is like, that's foolishness. It's empty. And so his exhortation here is... But you, <laughs> do something better. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. I can attest that uh, I have proven this out in my own life. I spent the first 25 years of my life focused on self, focused on pleasure, focused on the material world and the things that I could touch and taste and see and so forth. And I came to discover that, uh, as Solomon did, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And so I cried out to God, and in his grace and mercy, he saved me, delivered me from sin and from self and from the very shallow and very narrow uh, perspective that somehow this life is just all about me and my needs and the things that I want to get and the things that I think will make me happy, and it is much larger than that. There is God. There is God's kingdom. Our, there are souls. Our soul, souls are eternal, and these are the more important things on God's mind as he knows he has established a way that we can spend eternity together with him or we will spend eternity uh, separated from him. When you look at this uh, phrase here, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, um, you know, I would typically kind of break it down word for word. I'll give you some of the concepts here. The first word, seek. The word there means to desire, to endeavor, and even can mean to worship. So here Jesus is like... What are you seeking? What do you strive after work for? What are you endeavoring towards? What do you worship? Here he says, worship God above all, alone. Make him your love, your passion, your focus. Uh, present yourselves, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, as a living sacrifice unto him. And he will take care of everything Else, I, in giving you kind of this uh, breakdown of what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, outside of breaking down each word, you know, seek means to endeavor, first indicates uh, priority, so uh, God doesn't say, hey, when you feel like it, when you're up for it, when you got some spare time, uh, maybe check me out, think about me, consider some of my ways, no, he says, you need to, I need to be your priority. Me and my will and my word and my kingdom need to be first above every other thing in your heart and mind and life and world. And as we know in the old hymn, we sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love, we have a sin nature, we have, uh, if we've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, for by faith, uh, grace you've been saved through faith, it is not uh, of your own works or of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. If we've been born again, then we have the, the life of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling 
within us, and therefore we have the kingdom, as he has indicated in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means we come to the bankruptcy stage, we come to the end of ourselves, we come to realize that everything within us is not good, and everything out here is not satisfying or good, and therefore we look up to God and we cry out and we say, can you help? Is there any other way? And we then, in repentance, we are saved, we're born again, and we inherit the kingdom. So we, we seek God, we worship God. Uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of the commandments? By a religious uh, person in Matthew chapter 22, I believe it was. And he narrows it all down into two commandments, which really ultimately is kind of one commandment. The one commandment is love. The two commandments are number one, love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. And that is something that's taken out of the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, it's a, a prayer, a blessing that we call, the, or that really in Hebrew is the Shema. It comes from when he says, hear, O Israel. It, it means to hear or to listen. And what he wants you to hear and to listen is, love the Lord your God <laughs> with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Put him first. So we have uh, worshiping God, loving God, seeking God, and that he is our priority our relationship with him is our priority but when jesus says that then he goes and then the second commandment (laughs) is very similar to the first first you're to love god with all that you are and all that you have and the second you're supposed to love other people in that same way or the way in which you would love yourself and so basically it's summed up in love And if ever there were a time in our world, in our day and age, where this concept, even for Christians, you know, it's like we can just get so strung out and so spread out and so busy. As a matter of fact, when we talk about uh, making Christ our priority, when you look at the book of Revelation and the, the letter to the churches, the seven letters to the seven churches, Jesus starts out with the letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesian church, one of the greatest churches in church history, started by the Apostle Paul, radical, turning the world upside down for the gospel. Many, many churches were planted out of that church. Um, You see Paul dealing with them in, in the book of Acts. And then next thing you know, you come to the book of Revelation. Well, the Apostle Paul writes the letter to the Ephesians. And so he's ministering to them once again. But by the time you get to the book of Revelation, within a span of about 30 years, they're busy. They're doing a lot of activities. They got the outreach in the park. They got the worship team. They got the greeters at the door. They got everything going on that would indicate by every measure of of typical Christianity, this is a really good church. They got it all going on. Jesus says to them in Revelation chapter 2 from verses 1 to 5, uh, you, you got all this going on, and I'm going to paraphrase, but then he says, nevertheless, <laughs> I have this against you. So Jesus has one thing against them, and what's the problem? You have left your first love. You got your priorities out of whack. You fell in love with the ministry. You fell in love with works. You fell in love with your morality. You fell in love with religiosity and yourselves and, and your benevolence and, and things that you say you're doing in my name, for my name's sake, but you love those things more than you love me right now. So in other words, you've got a mistress. You're cheating on me. <laughs> you've gone out on me. Uh, Jesus is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. He loves us, and he knows that when we're cheating on him or when we're Going after other things when our priorities are out of whack, when we're not walking in first love relationship with him, basically we're walking in idolatry and adultery, spiritually speaking, and that means that we're not going to be at a good place mentally, emotionally, uh, relationally, and so forth. And because he loves us, he says that's going to lead to destruction. And so what does he call the Ephesian church to do there in the book of Revelation? He says... Repent, 
Remember from where you have fallen, repent and turn and do the first works. What were their first works? It's all about you, Jesus. <laughs> None of this is, is for me. None of this is for us. It's not for our glory or for our name. It's for your namesake. It's just that love relationship. And so the simplicity of this here, you know, where Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 basically says, uh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and come after me. Uh, follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what profit is it to a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Jesus said in the judgment, also in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, many are going to come to him and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we did all these great works in your name. And, you know, they're going to expect to hear, hey, good job. Good job. Thank you. And you know what he said he's going to say to many people? Depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Did you hear that? Very religious people. People that went to church a lot, people that did things in Christ's name, and Jesus says to them in the judgment, I did not know you. In other words, we didn't have a relationship. You had your religion. You did all your religious activity. You called it Christianity. You said you were doing it for me and for my name, but it was all about you and carnality and pride and you know, feeling good about yourself and whatever, but it wasn't about me. It wasn't for my name. It wasn't for my glory. You did not do it because you loved me and you were walking in my spirit and fulfilling my will and my commands. You did it for other reasons. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Hell is eternal. Weeping, gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. I think that's my cue to try to close. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to give you some, some personal examples. Um, you know, I think there's these three main ways that we can seek first the kingdom of God. Number one, we just love God. That's our first priority. Maintaining our intimacy with Him, our devotional life, prayer, uh, being in the Word, uh, just, you know, it's like uh, marriage. Anybody married for more than a year? <laughs> marriage is hard work, right? Like you fall in love and in the beginning you've got that, what do they call that fascination period or whatever, you know, where it's just all, everything is so exciting and fun. And then what happens, you know, a few years into it, you get to know the person, you see all their quirks and issues and then... You're like, I don't like it when you do that, and I don't like that, and why do you put your toothbrush there, and this, and and, and familiarity breeds contempt, I guess, and whatever, but what happens, if you want a marriage to endure, you have to stir up love, right? You have to, you have to learn and grow and do things that stimulate freshness in the relationship, and that's why sometimes we see people who are married for 30 50, 70 years. I, the other day I went to a breakfast place over here and uh, met with a, a, a guy about ministry or whatever. And there was this old couple that was sitting next to us. And, um, you know, they're just like one foot from the grave. I mean, they're like 95, you know, like barely got in there. But but they're just so cute, you know, the way they're just loving on each other, taking care of each other. And, and me and the guy kind of noticed it. And he, he wanted to offer them their breakfast. We got to talking to them and, and and you could just see you know that they liked each other they loved each other they you know but that that takes work you have to show well jesus wants us to make sure that that's our first thing our first priority is being renewed in our love for him and that we're not just becoming uh, stale and sterile and religious and it's like well i go to church i give my tithe i do all this stuff 
but there's no passion for Jesus. There's no love. There's no excitement and so forth. Uh, the second thing is we're to love others, right? We love God, but we love others. If you love God, if the love of God is in you, you will love others. And greater love hath no man than he would lay down his life for, for a friend or for someone else. The, the gospel is other-centered, you know, Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And Paul there is saying, consider others, put their needs before your own. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus bowing down, worshiping, uh, not worshiping, sorry, uh, washing the disciples' feet. And he tells them, look, I have done this uh, unto you as an example, now you do it to one another and and the whole heart of god is that we would love him and that then we would love others we would serve others we would give to others we would sacrifice for others we would take time for others it's about people you know sometimes it's like oh i'm in a hurry i gotta get to church i'm on the worship team i gotta do this thing for god and it's like there's a human being standing in front of us that that's broken or fearful they just lost a dog or a loved one they lost their job they don't know how they're going to make it whatever the thing may be there's a person in need and we're kind of like well I, but i got this stuff to do and i got this place to go and jesus would be like well but uh, i just put a person a human being a soul that i died for that i love that i cherish in your past can you just take a breath and pause a moment and recognize that people are more important than stuff. You know, it's like, well, I gotta go wash my car. Or I gotta take care of my lawn. You know, I, I'm a landscaper. I love lawns. I love mowing lawns. If you need your lawn mowed, call me. I'll, I'll mow it. Uh, I enjoy that kind of a thing. But it's like, man, you know, some people is like they spend hours and hours in their garden or on their yard or on their projects or whatever, and they spend zero time loving someone else in Jesus' name, preaching the gospel to people, sowing seeds, inviting someone to church, or something in some way to gift the eternal to somebody else. And so that is what we're talking about here. That is another way you seek first. The kingdom, you notice it's the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's not seek first your kingdom. Well, as soon as I get the house and I get retirement, I get this paid and I get that boat and I get that phone and I do this and I, I pay this for the kids and the grandkids. You're building your kingdom. You know, in, in Israel, when they, they were building the temple, they came back from captivity and they were rebuilding the temple. They didn't get really far because they stopped building the temple so that they could build their own houses in Haggai chapter 1, uh, God rebukes his people, Israel, and he basically tells them, you guys are, are poor, you're washed up, you're miserable, you have no money, and you can't figure it out, and here's your problem. You're building your own houses and your own kingdom, and you have forsaken my house and my kingdom. And so, you know, we need to be concentrating on loving God and building his kingdom. His kingdom is eternal. God's priorities are souls. The number one priority on this planet for every Christian today should be making sure that human beings around us are going to heaven. Because heaven is eternal and hell is eternal. And you only get one life and then the judgment. And so the people that are sitting next to us on the bus and the train and at our jobs and at the Starbucks uh, cashier and wherever and whatever, everything that we're doing, everything that's going on around us that, that seems so, oh, it's just right here and we got this and today and that thing, it's temporal. The soul of the person is eternal. And that's why Jesus came and that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. And that's the most important thing to him is that people would be saved. And the Apostle Paul said that the gospel is the power of God that leads people to salvation. Paul said, how can they go unless they're sent? How can they hear unless somebody preaches in the book of Romans? And, you know, it's like sometimes as Christians, you just kind of wonder what the church is doing. You don't have to wait for Pastor Tom to have an outreach event so that then Pastor Tom can preach. The gospel to your friend or your neighbor, or your grandpa or whoever, you should be preaching the gospel. Don't be preachy, but love people, serve them, uh, gain the respect and the opportunity to then 
say or answer the questions where they say, why are you so calm when there's a pandemic and the world's going nuts? And you go, well, I have the peace that passes understanding because I trust in Jesus Christ. I know the end of the story. I've got the Bible. You know, and maybe they go, hey, I'd like to know more about that or whatever it may be. But God's priorities need to be our priorities. And that's where seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness comes into play. I'm not seeking my kingdom. I'm not, I'm not trying to build an empire here. I'm not trying to leave some sort of mark on humanity where they'll go, oh, Brent Harrell. The Harrell name, the Harrell family, the, the inheritance, the heritage or whatever. The, you ever hear George Whitfield? One of the greatest evangelists of the 1800s, you know, rode around on a horse everywhere preaching the gospel and people were just getting saved like everywhere all over the place. He got into kind of a thing with a ministry, uh, you know, collaborator and, and the, there was kind of this tension and division and, and this other guy was talking to George Whitfield about it and he's like, well, you know, what do you think about this? And, and George Whitfield said, look, let the name of George Whitfield perish and the name of Jesus Christ be exalted. In other words, it's not about me. I'm not building my kingdom. I'm building the kingdom of God. Well, that kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. And so when we talk about loving others, it's about doing what's right. It's about making right decisions. You know, we're faced with them every day on a very practical level. And sometimes Christians are just kind of like, I just don't know what to do in this situation. It's like, well, it's really obvious. This way would be loving that person. This way would be not loving that person. I think it's really clear. You should forgive that person. You should apologize. You should be reconciled. You should help them. You know, James is like, how do you go to someone? You see that they're cold and tired and, and impoverished and on the street or whatever. And then you go, God bless you. But you don't actually do anything to help them or meet the need. You know, that's, that's religiosity and that's hypocrisy. So... The practical side of it is, is, is walking in righteousness, doing what is right and good. He has shown thee, O man, what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So don't make life about things. Make it about people. Consider that it, it more important, the eternal side of life. It's God. It's God's kingdom. If I focus on loving God... Above all things, I will have God's heart, God's mind, God's priorities. I will love people. I will serve people. I will seek eternal good for their lives. I will preach the gospel. And then guess what happens? All these other things just get taken care of. I can give you examples in the scriptures. I can give you examples in my life. I think of uh, Abraham as one of the scriptural examples. Remember Lot wanted the stuff he could see and he thought, oh, that's I'm going to get rich. He chose the good land. What happened? When he went away, God took Abraham up on the mountain and said, I want you to look. North, south, west, east, it's all yours. Why? Because Abraham wasn't seeking the stuff. Abraham was seeking God. So he goes, you can take whatever you want. I'll go the other way. God God will take care of me. I just want God. Well, then what did God say? <laughs> it's all yours. You know, I could give you example after example in David's life, in Paul's life, in the life of Jesus, in the, in the life of the early church. And I can give you many examples from my life. I was not seeking to be in ministry, be in missions, go to Rome or Italy. You know, it's like you saw, you saw where I live. It's not that romantic. It's not very beautiful. I love the pasta. I love the coffee. There's mozzarella di bufala. They, they play soccer. Amazing. But it's very difficult and hard. But nonetheless, I get these benefits, right? There's just times where it's like, yeah, I go down the Amalfi Coast. I get to see one of the most beautiful countries on the planet. I'm down there like, man, this is amazing. But I wasn't looking. Many people, they're trying to save as much money as they can. They want to go to Italy, to the Amalfi Coast. God just is like, well, I'm going to move you there. You're going to live by it. You can drive down there in two hours and see it any time you want for free. But I wasn't seeking that. I was seeking God. I was seeking God's will. What do you want me to do? What can I do for you? Presenting myself as a living sacrifice. And then the next thing I know, I'm just loving other people. I'm preaching the gospel. That took me to Europe. Then God said, I want you to move here. I want you to live here, plant a church here. And it goes on and on. And I could tell you from my car to my house to my children to my family, my priority isn't the world and the things. And I don't worry about all this stuff. I just worry about one thing, my relationship with Jesus Christ, loving him above all things, and then doing his will. 
making his priorities my priorities, loving other people. As I do that, I go, whoa, man, the other day I was staying in a house on a lake, and I had a cabin, I had a boat. The guys are like, yeah, just take the boat. I'm like, take the boat? Yeah, okay. I took the boat. We went out. I'm like, we're out on this mountain lake. You know, I'm driving like a Mercedes, you know, out there. Somebody loaned me their car. That's the goodness of God. You know, I couldn't plan this stuff. I couldn't save enough money. I couldn't, you know, make enough money. I got a new computer. I needed a new computer. I like new computers. I would love to buy a new computer. I could never buy a new computer on the budget I live on. I live by faith. But you know what? As I just keep my eyes on Jesus and I just keep following after him and I keep loving people, I keep trying to get people saved and into the kingdom, I just find, whoa, somebody goes, hey, I want you to have this new computer. And I go, whoa, praise God. Let's stand up. I think you get the point. Let's close in a word of prayer. Is the worship team coming up? I'm going to close in a song of worship. As we worship in this last song, and then closing in prayer, I want you to just consider this and ask yourself a few questions. Am I seeking, endeavoring, and worshiping God above all? Is Jesus at the center Is he the king? Is he on the throne? Are my priorities God's priorities or have I lost track? Have I gotten my priorities out of whack? And if you have, which is common to all of us, even as pastors and missionaries, it's very easy, as I said, to get distracted or on to other things. Jesus says, look, all you got to do is repent. You recognize Lord, I'm, I'm, my priorities out of whack. I'm going after this and that, and I'm just striving, and I'm miserable, and I, I want the happiness. I want happy, 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 but I'm just miserable, miserable, miserable because I've been seeking things for myself and just walking in my own strength. And you could just go, Lord, forgive me. And I want you to be my number one priority afresh. I just want to be in love with you, and I want your priorities to be my priorities. Would you forgive me, fill me with your spirit, and lead me in your ways and, and help me to reprioritize life and so forth? And God will gladly do it. And then you'll find not only will you be blessed, satisfied, filled, content, but you'll see fruit, and you'll just be like, well, in that person, we got in that person, they asked about it, and we prayed, and then here they are, they're walking with the Lord, or their marriage got reconciled, or, you know, whatever it is. And then you'll go, oh, and we got food in the cupboard, and, and the bills got paid, and, and, you know, I got this new job, or whatever it may be. I assure you, God will take care of you. So why don't you guys close it out with the song and the prayer?